<laughs> Welcome to Bash You Live. There's our first glitch that there we, we were, I guess we were expecting that. I had a week off. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Good to have you back with us, Justin. Yep. Uh, our, our our own Jocelyn is uh, is home, not feeling too well today. I know that's running around the whole country and the world, I think, right now. So, Seriously. Uh, really. I, I know it's been through our house and uh, geez, everybody here has gotten COVID this year, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy. Hope you feel better soon, Joss. And uh, good to have you back, Justin, with us. Good to be back. We are, uh, man, we got one of our friends that, uh, man, we love to have him on the show. Ronnie Moore uh, from Bassmasters is going to be here with us today. We're going to be talking about, man, the, the Bassmaster schedules this year. What are the techniques that are going to be pre- prevalent to try to win these tournaments in the upcoming season? Uh, you know, a lot of forward-facing sonar talk, right? That won a lot last year. Will that be the case this year? Uh, we're going to see some shallow water uh, fishing going on. We got a whole new crop of uh, serious anglers. The new the new EQ qualifiers are spectacular. So really looking forward to diving in. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun show. That's I'm really excited about this preview because the Bassmaster schedule this year lays out a little bit differently than we've seen in the past few years. We have Texas events early in the year where the last yeah. few years we've seen the Florida, Florida. events and we're, we're, we're going to get to watch some Florida fishing going on this year later into the year, which is, that's going to be super cool. I mean, you know, we haven't seen that in quite some time. So things are shaking up a little bit this year and we're going to do our best to guess on how it's going to go down, but you know, they're fish. So we're, uh, <laughs> we're just, we're speculating. Yeah. I love that. The, uh, starting out in Texas. Uh, well, of course <laughs> could go wrong. Like it did for us sure, last year. Yeah. Right, we ice storms. Yeah, and... we had ice storms in uh, January, right? Yep. And we've seen some real nasty weather. Just the way Texas is positioned, man that that Gulf Stream comes down and uh, brings that cold Canadian air, um, uh, or jet stream, whatever that thing's called, and uh, dips down deep into that part of the country can bring some really nasty nasty weather. As a matter of fact, one of the coldest tournaments I ever fished was in Austin. Uh, Lake Travis. It was unbelievable. The The ramps were freezing up, uh, just uh, unbelievably cold. So we could see that mm-hmm. uh, down there. I hope and, not. <laughs> I, yeah, I it, hope not, too. It'll be interesting, right? How are you going to survive that, you know? Yeah, and, how, how will we survive? Justin and I will be there. How are we going to survive? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? We'll probably be driving a, 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 a two-door coupe uh, little tiny <laughs> car, and if we get an ice storm, maybe a little bit problematic oh man we'll have to get you guys some expedition weight bash you thermal <laughs> yeah to to wear for that one yeah that I, from that perspective all right i got you but how about the other perspective right all the big ones bite in that yeah. nasty weather and the the double digit bass yep. get yep. caught in texas when it's freezing cold yeah so and with everybody becoming so proficient uh with fishing offshore uh, even that time, that time of year, especially, man, we we could see some giants coming in. in sure, in, sure in could. Tournaments, yep. That'd especially you know Toledo Bend to start and Lake Fork number two. Mm-hmm. It's going to be some big weights starting off the year, probably. So yes, sir. So looking forward. We'll dive in with the uh, with the man on the inside, Ronnie Moore here uh, shortly. Right. We've got uh, like and share the feed. We've got 
prizes. Do you have the prizes set up for us, Justin? I got them. Uh, yeah, today for the like and share, uh, we're giving away some Cortland line, uh, two boxes of line, Cortland line master braid. If you haven't checked it out, you definitely want to check it out. So 25% like yeah. off for all of our subscribers. Go That's check right. it out. Yep, and if you like and share today's feed, you're going to be entered in for a chance to win some. And then today for the grand prize, which will be a trivia question based on today's show, and we will ask the question in the message board. So you got to be dialed in, sharpen your pencils. Let's get this thing rolling here. Um, for that grand prize, we're going to be giving away Cortland Line and some Rapala Lures with that as well. So, um, yep, stay, stay locked in. We're going to bring in a question towards the end of the show, and uh, we'll be giving that stuff away we are getting ready to go guys uh the we're it, blink our it's four weeks away to texas no to our first event yep right yep. that's where we're going to be in uh anderson, in south, anderson carolina. south carolina i can't believe it it's like Time's flying. oh my goodness it's uh it's right it seems like right as soon as we get through christmas it's like bam we're go. traveling and we're going to be all over the place and we look forward to seeing all you guys uh, we started out at Anderson, uh, then we were in Texas, then we're in Shreveport, and uh, we wrap it up this year down in Alabama. So make sure you guys get tickets. We have a really cool stocking stuffer promotion going on right now for you guys that are uh, coming to the class. Go get your tickets now. Register now, and it's a it's full of crankbaits, Rapala, Waterwood, Missile. Uh, just a cool little deal, especially if you're giving it for a gift. Uh, what a cool thing that somebody could get under the tree. A uh, couple tickets to the Bash University class and a whole bunch of lures. That's that's uh, always a fun thing to get. So check that out. Go over to that thebashuniversity.com. Get your tickets and and we'll see you in class. And uh, and of course we all we have a great. What's our? We have a, a really interesting yeah. promotion that's going on right now. If you can't make it to class, uh, you know what a cool gift this is too. A subscription to bash you justin it's it's really a cool promotion yeah it's super cool i mean if you can't make it to the classes and want to watch some some of the seminars we record there and all the other good stuff we have coming we got a, a 99 dollars annual deal and in return for that you you are getting a, a mystery box Ooh. with 60 dollars or more value of baits in there it it's going to be Very a surprise cool. for you it's like a little christmas present of some wow. awesome lures, some apparel. Who knows what you're going to get? And you also get a chance at uh, a golden ticket uh, if you sign up during ticket. that event. And that's going to be a $250 value that you're getting on top of that. Wow. And of course, we're we're giving away a golden ticket to one of our current subscribers, too. So you guys aren't missing out. If you're already subscribed, you get uh, a chance at a, a pretty cool golden ticket box. So that's cool. Should be exciting. Pretty uh, fun. Yeah, somebody's going to get it. Uh, what a neat deal. And you know, um, the, the boxes that we give away are full of all great top, uh, quality top level, uh, products and baits that, that we use and recommend and oh, yeah, work yep. with here at Bash U. So it's all good stuff. Promise you that. Uh, but what a neat deal. The, the, the golden ticket. Well, uh, we've not done a promotion like this before. So guys, check it out and get yourself subscribed. It's a great time to do it. Um, Man, we're going to be filming some uh, really uh, important educational stuff that's really going to help everybody this year, uh, and as we always continue to do. But uh, Brandon Lester is going to be with us again this year in Anderson. Excited about that. But this week, 
uh, he teaches about offshore at yep. Bashu. Yeah, he does. He uh, it's an offshore deep dive uh, with Brandon Lester, and man, I, I'll get into the seminar, but. But Brandon is an excellent instructor. Um, you know, he, he really has a way of conveying his message. And uh, he breaks down the offshore approach to his fishing. Um, pretty unique. You know, he, he he doesn't necessarily only fish deep when he's fishing offshore. Offshore can mean a lot of different things, right? It can mean, it, it essentially means you're just not on the bank. And that can be anywhere from four foot yeah. all the way down to 40 foot and everywhere in between. And the approach that he takes to each one of those water columns and different depths is super, super unique. And, um, yeah, like I said, he's a great instructor. So you definitely want to check that out. And then, uh, our Not to aunt, mention a blue trophy. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's That's a, right. he's a, he's a champion. He's a, yeah. he's a, he's a Bassmaster elite series winner. He's a Bassmaster opens winner. Um, he just knows how to catch him. He really, really does. He's got an impressive, uh, stat line and, um, this week's on water release is Mike Iconelli top three soft baits for fall and early winter. And depending on where you are in the country, it depends on, you know, kind of where you are in the seasonal transition of things. But um, great seminar catches a big one in yeah, this seminar. Awesome seminar. I'm talking about yeah. a certified big one. And, um, a, you know, a giant. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, well, you know, we, we know that when, you know, Mike hooks up oftentimes it is a giant. This one was a certified giant. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. The top three baits for, for fall fishing. Um, it really emphasizes that just because in the fall you're throwing your jerk baits, you're throwing your, 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 your spinner baits, your chatter baits, all that stuff. Don't forget about a soft plastic because there's times where it's it's the king. It's we're, the we're, we're seeing it around here right now. Typically oh, yeah. around in our neck of the woods, it's all metal Blade and baits. jerk baits, blades. And we're seeing the soft plastics play even right now. We had a little warming trend, mm -hmm. uh, which I think was the, the reason. But we've, we, we're, we're hearing about a lot of soft plastics being effective in our body's water. So great stuff by, by one of the Hall of Famer. Uh, and one of the certainly one of the greatest teachers in the sport of fishing. So uh, awesome. Go, definitely got to check that out. Take advantage of our new offer. Like and share the feed. We've got Ronnie Moore coming in. We're going to be talking about the elites, the opens, techniques, uh, fantasy, all kinds of great stuff. What do you got, Justin? Just want to give a shout out to uh, some of our subscribers tuning in. Uh, Chuck Fish, Wolf of Walmart, of course, Dan <laughs> Allen. Uh, Burn, Nick Mayberry. Just want to give a shout out to those guys for for tuning in. It's great to have you guys with us as always. And uh, we're going to be right back with uh, Ronnie Moore right after this. Underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? 
I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That they're made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod i found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Portland Line Master Braid, America's premium super braided fishing line. Manufactured in our Cortland, New York facility and constructed from the highest quality spectra fibers available. Cortland Line Company, made in America since 1915. I have to have the best eyewear. My eyes are essential to doing my job. It's the highest quality lens that I've ever used. Top of the line performance in these glasses. But they're priced for absolutely everyone. The everyday angler can afford them. As a touring professional pro, if I can depend on them, I know the weekend angler can as well. Hobie Eyewear, built for the pros. Price for everyone. Welcome back, guys. Good to have you with us. Um, really excited about uh, today's show. I love it. We have them on every year this time of year and sometimes more uh, talking about uh, what's going on in the tournament trail in the Bassmasters world. And uh, it's been been a great friend to us here at Bash U. And uh, awful glad to have him here with us right now. Uh, Mr. Ronnie Moore from the Bassmasters. How are you doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? How are you today? We're doing good, Can man. You hear us? Can you hear yeah. me? Yep, we okay, got good. you. We got you. Pete, Pete did a pump fake on me. I was worried he was falling out of the boat or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ronnie, what have you done to my career? You have like I cannot go. I can't. It, there's not a week that goes by that that does not get posted to me, or <laughs> or you know somebody brings it up or somebody calls me out on it. It's like every single week the rest of my life. I think. Well, I think there's a couple going you get into the sport of bass fishing everybody wants to achieve at some point, and that is to win a tournament, go to the Bassmaster Classic, and be remembered forever. And you have now done all three, so you're perfectly you're you are in step. <laughs> That's true. 
God. Yeah, All right. Well, let's announce the retirement. I guess yeah. I, I might be done. <laughs> no, you got plenty more in you. I saw how how quickly you got back in the boat. You're you're perfectly good to go. I promise. And if you're not fishing on the water, you still have a long time in this career for uh, teaching people with bass. You no doubt. Well, I I love it to be honest with you. The uh, it, it's just um, you know I've I've stepped down from the top tier tours. But man, I, I just love competing. It's just something about the 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 tournaments that just bring brings the best out in you, uh, in me. I just you know I love that part. I love the strategy. I love you know going to these bodies of water. Some that are new. Some that I love and been fishing for years. Uh, just just it's I fell in love with it a long time ago when I was just a kid, and and I'm I think I'm gonna I don't know if I can do it as long as Rick. Clun's doing it, but uh, I think I'm going to keep doing it for a while. Well, I can completely agree with that, uh, that aspect of competition. And, and I always tell people, like, I love bass fishing, but I didn't grow up fishing uh, just for fun. Every single day that I got in the boat with my dad was in preparation for a tournament. It was some kind of competition. That was the the aspect that we developed. So I've never really just gone fishing for fun. It's always with the goal of figuring something out in hopes of putting it into application for tournament days. So which is it's weird as a 30 year old in my 10th year, you know, covering the sport with Bassmaster that I haven't fished in in quite a while for that reason. I don't I don't get to fish tournaments anymore. I realize that that's maybe, you know, in the past, uh, maybe in the future, who knows, but it's hard to go and leave your family or leave the work that's to be done covering the sport to just go fish sometimes for fun with no purpose. I'm such a purpose driven person that man tournaments, yeah. there's nothing like it. There's nothing, there's no way to emulate the stress of tournament day and the strategy preparation. If you're trying to emulate it just for fun, uh, at the end of the day, it is just for fun, but tournaments, man, I, I love the competition aspect. Me too. Me too. So uh, it's it's one of the few things where I get to level ten in as a person. You know what I mean? I'm I'm engaged. Uh, w whether you're catching that big fish that you need, you know, at that moment, you know, or you know whether whether you're having to recover from falling in the lake, you know. I mean, it's, uh, it's almost it's, still in that tournament. You're still right there the whole day. That's right. It's just you're like you got to overcome those obstacles you're driven it's uh it's a blast i love doing it and um you know so i'm going to keep doing it and i know um you know the the tournament trails are are they're announced we're getting ready to roll there's some uh you know we're going to dive into the the tournaments because i love to pick your brain about what you, we think is going to go down but one of the i we're coming into the new year. It's all forward facing sonar was a big deal last year. It's probably going to be a big deal this year. I'm wondering about the production side of things. We saw some really cool stuff at the classic where we had the hummingbird uh, screen on screen uh, shots going on. I'm curious as to what's going to happen this year. Are we going to see more of that? We just had done our weekly um, meeting at the Bassmaster Studios here in Little Rock, and and that was a, a topic of conversation. Is you know what what do we need uh, for the 2024 season to be prepared? You know, for the crew that's on site versus the crew that's in studio. Um, one thing that I, I feel, and and I told Chase Anderson this, I've told Mike McKinnis this, 
Um, it's something that I grew up with with bass. No matter where the anglers are, if the quote-unquote best anglers in the world are fishing other tournament trails like people thought a few years ago, or if it's where they are now, no matter where the top level, the best pros are, the thing that Bassmaster's always done better than the rest is teaching. And so I said, the way we need to use some of these things, we've transitioned in a competition, it seems, for the last few years of entertainment. We got to have the biggest fish, the most fish. We got to show it off. These are anglers are good for a reason. Let's let's support them and show them off in that aspect. And it was always bigger weights, more fish, how exciting can it be. But the core root of what made Bassmaster Television great in the heyday and the tournaments top notch above the rest was the teaching aspects. And so utilizing new technology, utilizing the screen of knowledge with lake maps, utilizing interviews with anglers to get insights on the water, all of those things combine to teaching. And I think that if we get back, no matter what anyone else does in the sport of bass fishing, if we here in the, in the Bassmaster Studios get back to the teaching aspect of it exclusively, obviously the entertainment will come and that's always enjoyable and we want to captivate viewers, especially because back in the day, we would package four days of tournament fishing into a 45-minute show. So right. it was going to be action-packed no matter what because you had limited time so you showed off the best catches at the best moments we now know with seven hours of live every single day for four days that some things can be redundant seeing forward facing sonar all the time in everybody's boat it seems like the end of the world that that's the only scene but that's just a small sample of a specific tournament or a specific region of the country or highlighting that but if you look at everyone overall there's something to be learned from you know, at, at Lay Lake, for example, seeing Brandon Polinick Max as an area in the back of beeswax using oh, yeah. 360, utilizing his eyes. You go see Jason Christie utilizing his shallow water ability, um, also keeping his eyes out there for possible spinners. And Will Day using local knowledge at the dam, using areas that he saved to the final day, all those different things. But then you have guys like Jay Shakurit. And Bob Downey, who did really well, Justin Atkins, all of those guys with forward-facing sonar at the south end of the lake. Um, you've got all kinds of guys doing a shad spawn. So I just think that I think that forward-facing sonar is here to stay for the most part. We just have to show a better way of teaching um, because for entertainment value, maybe that's where it lacks. Um, and so I think that I think that it'll be mixed in more to answer your question somewhat. There's no guarantees because the last time I was on here, I told you guys we'd be live for five opens and we were live for three, but now we're live for nine. And I can say that for sure. Guarantee we, we, we to do awesome. we made plans to do nine, you know, for next year. And so uh, all the opens are live. So who knows what forward facing sonar. I know the folks here behind the scenes of live um, are all taking things into consideration on how to make it better for the viewers, but also how to teach the viewers not to be afraid of technology or that, but to teach them. I love that. Um, and I love that addition on the opens. That's, that's outstanding. Big news. Yeah. I, one of the, and I noticed this and I love this about the broadcast that you guys do. Uh, you show the general locations where the guys are, you know, you show, um, you go, you take, there's a struggle that's going on, right. Where decisions are having to be made and, they're living and dying in these moments and some of them are successful. Some of them aren't. I love that part. I show, you know, showing that part of the tournament is 
for for me, it's one of my it's my favorite part. You know, watching that struggle, watching the guys succeed and fail. So I I applaud that that strategy that you're talking about, Ronnie. I I agree with that 100. percent I think that one thing I just think off the top of my head of Lake St. Clair, you know, St. Clair, Champlain, St. Lawrence were dominated by forward-facing sonar, not only on the water, but on the chat boards, FaceTimes, DMs, all of the YouTube, getting the clicks and all that stuff on everyone's opinion on it. So it was dominated by forward-facing sonar. But the thing that I and Tommy Sanders sitting, you know, on the opposite end of the studio over here from me, we were making, just so you know, we've done this the last few years, we've put uh, 14 additional TV shows onto Fox Sports 1 January and February before the season kickoff. And so we're rolling out those TV shows and we're making them like they used to be where it's a whole tournament encased in a show and you get to see some of these ebbs and flows of characters who rose up. It's not just a piece about the winner. And I say all that because it makes me think of St. Clair when it was dominated by forward-facing sonar, but how amazing Anchor Bay was with all of the biomass, all the bait fish, so many smallmouth. And I remember because Tommy was at another event, but I was here with Davey and Such. I asked Mark Zona this question. I said, do you think they could cannibalize each other in there? And we weren't on the same page because he thought, like, can they fish the spot out? You know, no more smallmouth there. That wasn't the case. But more so that nine of the top ten are all battling within eyesight of each other. And they're kind of they're divvying up these fish, and at some point it's gonna it's gonna slack off and allow somebody like Joey Sefuentes, who's going to the opposite of the lake by himself and managing getting six or seven bites, and he wins doing that instead of fishing the area where a bunch are. So, like you said, that battle of decisions, you could have just had no a terrible practice, park yourself in Anchor Bay, and you're in the time in the tournament, or you could have taken four or five bites in practice on the other end in the Canadian side of St. Clair and used them. And, and if I can get a limit, it might be 22 to 25 pounds. And that's what Joey did to win. And so I think it's still a struggle. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to make this forward-facing center dominant, but, like, there's so much to be learned. If And, and as someone who loves being in the dirt with a chatterbait and a buzzbait and doesn't have forward-facing center on my boat, even if I was going every weekend – I enjoy seeing it because it's a different way of learning. It's more efficient. We'd be looking at these same guys using 2D sonar and being less efficient. We would see them take a whole lot longer between fish catches. Now we got guys right. who are who are motivated and zoned in on not even pitching to a mark that they think is a three-pounder because that mark over there, it might be a five, and they think it is. So it's a different way, and it's not just – Easy peasy. It's I've saw 300 fish today and I got nine to bite. I just have 20 of them pounds because I get to be selective, but also they all don't bite. And so teaching that, showing that, um, I think that that's on the docket more for next year for sure. Um, but I also obviously do hope other patterns derive out of these tournaments that we can see you know, some underdogs as, as the as some other folks would probably refer to them now. Just fishing. I, I just want to jump in here because. <laughs> towards the end of the year last year, Ron, like there was, there was a lot of conversations like, Oh, the whole, the whole season is nothing but forward facing sonar. <laughs> it was boring. Like everybody, anybody who was saying that didn't watch a lot of the early season tournaments or didn't watch the tournaments in the middle of the year. Recency bias. Exactly. Like they're only remembering what was, you know, a week ago or a month ago. 
they don't remember watching Steve Kennedy crack him on a frog on on Okeechobee. Yeah. Right. Like they, they don't they don't they don't you know remember remember Ike crushing him uh, up shallow at Santee or you know it's like they're they're still a mix and like you know you, you can't can't please everybody. Just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> oh no, well, and, yeah, and, and I think that that's oh go ahead, Pete. I was gonna say I. We've been watching this for years. You said it, Ronnie. Like we've been watching them being less efficient with 2D sonar for years. Like anytime right. you're in a smallmouth tournament, anytime you're in a ledge tournament, uh, anytime that's going on, you're going to get that same view, that mm -hmm. same perspective of where you're just kind of looking at the back of an angler. I don't think that much has changed. You know, um, you guys are I, you guys are northern guys. You can remember it, but I think other than you know. KVD on a spy bait and and fighter at St. Clair on a on a big plug um or a, a bigger plug. I don't every other smallmouth events the same thing. You know, it's drop shotting 2D. Of course, maybe they spoke to the camera more, maybe they were more upright because they dropped it down hoping that something swam into their cone, not I'm going to go find where they where they swam right. to. So yeah. it's it's all just different. I don't want to harp on it like I'm a lover of it. It's I no one in the sport watches more forward-facing sonar with anglers with their backs to the camera than the people. It's <laughs> Tommy over there, me here. Like we 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 watch it. We don't we don't get royalties for for seeing them use it. Um, we have to live as well. Just the announcers don't love calling a three to nothing game between the Vikings and the Raiders, but they they live through it. You know, you got to you got to deal with that. Um, so I, it's just a different changing of the guards and along the lines of this this is something i've been i've typed up a post and backspaced it and i've put an instagram story up you know about to press send it and i delete it just because i don't know how to phrase it without feeling like i'm offending people but if i remember and ike's a huge opponent of this five six seven years ago when i started with bass when i was a college angler when i was getting into the sport over the you know over the last maybe six years ago and the decade before that Everyone was talking about let's grow sport. Let's get younger people involved. They're the next generation. They are the future of the sport. The more high school anglers, the more college anglers that we can get, the bigger that we get that generation into fishing, the better our sport will be. And those same exact people five or six years later are now the ones demeaning 17 to 22-year-old kids for having success on the water because they are embracing the technology that they are raised in and learning about. And I feel how silly we are as a sport, if I can say that, and on a kind of a rant tangent, that the same people who are growing the sport are now that it's grown and moved away from their skill set. There are some obviously concerns about conservation. That's why we developed the forward-facing committee um, with Bass to evaluate all aspects of it. But I just want us, for the people who trust Bass, you, I've thought about this a whole bunch. Let's take an inward look at ourselves as we wanted to grow the sport and get more people involved. There's more people fishing in bass fishing tournaments these days than there were 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And with that will come change. So now all those people we prayed for to be in the sport that are now 18 to 24-year-olds are the ones quickly breaking the learning curve and the ones winning tournaments with new technology that they were presented with when they came into the sport. So let's just, let's just think about that. It's a good thing that we have so many people fishing in the sport, but it is difficult to swallow that it's changing. Go Ronnie Moore. I like <laughs> it. I'll get up on your soapbox. I'm with you. I'm an, I'm an advocate of it. 
And I, I tell you what is making me a big advocate, a stronger advocate is working with the greatest anglers in the world at, at our Bash U seminars because we're teaching uh, this concept. We're teaching how to use it. Um, at first, everybody's like, oh, you just turn it on. You, th- you see a fish, you throw it <laughs> there and catch it. Well, guess what? No, you know, Not the case. <laughs> it's, it's extremely advanced and highly technical uh, about the baits that, you know, you can trigger them with. We're seeing the EQ guys with the, the three-quarter ounce jig. You're supposed to be using a finesse rod to trigger these these blips that you're seeing. And they're, they're doing it with power baits, uh, figuring out all types of new and different strategies uh, to catch these fish. So there's, there's a ton to it. It's highly interesting and technical. Uh, and, you know, I applaud you for, uh, for, for telling us how it is. Well, just, it, it's, it's my heart of hearts. It's, I, I don't want to act like I get more and more disappointed daily by when I open up social media for fishing, but it is mind blowing how much it's changed over the last few years and how, uh, the lack of change. I don't want, I don't want the NFL to go back to leather helmets. I don't, I don't want the NBA players wearing converse high tops anymore. If they can have better shoes to jump higher and not break their ankle as much, I would love that, you know? And so it's everything, everything advances. There is a, a a limit, but there is a balance of what can the consumers purchase and get involved with without, without it feeling like you need five units. You don't need five units. The best in the world that are competing for a living for this have to have more than the regular consumer would because this is what they do for a living. This isn't what they do on the weekends, what they do for a living. So I'm not in the gym shooting a thousand shots today, training my body and cryotherapy like LeBron James does. He is the best at what they do, and he has to do that. Same thing with these bass fishermen. But speaking of Toledo Bend and Lake Fork, we can talk about the schedule or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I know we're I know we're laboring on this, and we talked no, about it. You're a lot. fine. I don't but want the, it to be consumed with this, but I it's a it's the it's the elephant in the room. Well, the the one that's new and is the shallow water nature of the technology that is kind of not being talked about very much it's on the hush hush the down low guys are using it in six inches 12 inches of water figuring out different strategies and techniques to be effective up in the dirt i mean uh this is well might be news to some people listening to the show right now but it's not just a deep water technique have you been seeing guys do that on the on the elite we got to see Steve Kennedy when he was busting their butt on a frog at Okeechobee, use right. the Lance active target, you know, perspective mode where it, it's just a, a different view of it, uh, of forward facing sonar. And he's able to see a pound and a half, two pounder swim by out in front of his boat. And he pitched over there. And I think he caught that fish. Like, how crazy is that? And that's somebody like Steve Kennedy who maybe isn't like heavily invested in learning this technology. He would rather just go throw a swim bait everywhere, which uh, that works a lot of times for him. But you see that you learn about fish tendencies. You learn about location movements. Um, I think there's. Yeah. And and I have it typed right here in the chat. I already had typed one message privately to the bass crew on on the streaming platform. But I typed it here so I wouldn't forget. You guys were talking about Brandon Lester being one of your great pro seminar anglers for the next season and how he approaches fishing shallow but offshore 
we saw him utilizing his Lawrence active target, um, you know, offshore at Pickwick, but in four to six feet of water with schools of fish that that were never ending. They were everlasting. It seemed like every catch he could do it. He had to switch up from big crankbait to a Nico rig. He worked in the hair jig on a little bit deeper places. There's a lot of different things that he mixed in there. And I think that's also the thing that's opening up. Yes, forward-facing sonar may be limiting some of our tackle time. And it seems like we're just signing up jig heads and minnow baits. But there's a lot of, especially with largemouth involved, there's a lot of other techniques that trial and error. I got to get this school of fish to bite. I got to figure out what they are um, before I move on. And, and I think that that, there is a little bit of mystery in the game taken out. And the mystery used to be, are there fish on this spot? Let me go fish it and see. Now the mystery is there's fish there. Are they correct? Are they the size that I need to win? Because everything's getting bigger and better. The higher the weights they're getting, your cut weights and lakes are going up where you're at risk with a normal bag of getting cut uh, or a good bag getting cut these days. So, I, that shallow water, we see that come into play, no doubt. I think I think watching Brandon Polinick break down 360 in five feet of water or less, like was at Lay Lake, is absolutely crazy. In the Lay Lake show that I, I you know, cut, you can see the brim beds on the 360. He goes yeah. over there and pitch, pitches to it and catches one. And so it's uh, not only seeing bass and where they're related to nothing out in the middle of nothing, how they're related to brush brim beds, the time of day when they decide to pull up and feed on those brim beds, the time of day when they sit off the edge and wait. Um, I think the way bass relate around rocks, uh, I think there's a lot to be learned about that for sure. And so it's interesting. But like yeah. you guys said, Rivette wins, Palmer wins, Safuentes wins on largemouth, and we think the sky but six to eight of the other top ten in those events were doing it the, the pure way, as people say online, by just fishing. So. Well, we it's, uh, still. yeah, I, I, it's interesting there. It's definitely a shallow water movement. Guys are learning that. I want to applaud the uh, Bassmaster uh, camera crew for being pirates mm -hmm. and uh, getting in there on the baits uh, <laughs> that the guys are trying <laughs> to hide. You know, I love that. I love that. I love that part. I got a, like, I got a clear Kiyoya Fujita's name, by the way. Kiyoya was dubbed as the guy hiding his baits. There's a true language barrier compared to maybe Taku, who has learned English much better. But yep. Kiyoya, looking at interviews, uh, he did a tackle tip Tuesday with us after he won Champlain that we we were able to use his winning baits. One a couple things I've learned about him. He does want to speak for himself. He doesn't want a translator to misinterpret. He wants to represent himself well, which is very admirable. You could always take the easy way out and just, yeah, yeah, like say say some stuff to him. Um, so to him, have SU instructor Brian Schmidt calling me right now. Probably going to tell me about a nice fish that he caught. Uh, I'll have to call him later. But Kiyoya, um, in that Lake Murray tournament, when he was hiding the baits from us, we actually had a lost interview. And I hate to throw our team under this. We had a lost interview that when I look back at the Lake Murray tournament drive down, I plug it up. He went through and talked about the Sakamata Shad, even though it wasn't a sponsor bait. And he talked about he talked about him. So we were looking, thinking he was hiding him, but he actually talked about him for us. So Kiyoya, Ronnie Moore here from Bass is clearing your record. You are a lot better guy than everyone perceived you to be. You're you're a great <laughs> young man. <laughs> Very forthcoming. 
<laughs> All right. Well, good. Then maybe let go into his rod lockers. Let's get the production crew in there and check it out. What's going on in there? Exactly. Uh, but, uh, but Hey, you know, it's a great schedule. I like the schedule this year. The elites are typically a Florida start. We're starting in Texas. Um, and, and it's going to be, man, I, you know, if the weather turns nasty, the fish get big when that happens, uh, Toledo Ben coming out of the gate swinging. It's, it looks pretty good to me, man. It really could be, um, something that we saw, you know, we might not have Millie with Toledo Ben for the Bassmaster Elite Series, but you as an opens angler knows that we've gone to Toledo early in the year at times. College Series has gone to Toledo early in the year in that late January to early February. So just a few weeks later than that for the Elite Series, you could have that deep timber or not even deep. The timber's in deep water, but the fish may not be related in deep water. They could be suspending. We saw Cody Huff do that in back-to-back -back weeks. He won a college event with his jig and spoon, uh, you know, in the timber at Toledo and then turned around the next week and won the Toyota series event there. So we could see that come into play. And, and Pete, you know, down in that area, like if it gets warm, they could be on bed. They could be close. Mm -hmm. They could be, you just don't know with in that. And one big thing, water level. If the water level comes up, even if it's cold, those fish will do nothing but want to head to the bank. So you'll be able to see a couple patterns come out. Those deep fish or those fish over deep water will probably stay because they're going to have there much longer um, in the abyss. And then if the water is higher, that has some brush in the water, some of that grass in the water, and that grass has the ability to thrive a little bit more, even if it's cool or cold, we should still see a possible shallow movement as well. And if it times up per perfectly or something, and there's a, you know, level rose right at the right time, maybe we get a couple of days of warm, even though it's overall been cold, we could see Toledo explode. But like you said, I think even if it's cold, I think the weights are going to show up well. And I'm interested to see the elites be be there because I think the last time we were there was 2017. I want to say John Murray's win. Um, I think it was 2017. When did and Kevin win? There? 2016. 2016. 16, okay. Yeah, because that was my last year on the water, and I had amazing photos of Kevin's whopper whopper catches that no one remembers because Kevin Van Dam won the tournament. So if you want to see a meaningless job. We'll cover someone in the top five that didn't win when Kevin won. Nobody cares what your photos look like. So <laughs> I, I'll always have those. But uh, yeah, 2016 was Kevin. 2016 was John Murray. And there was a little shad spawn. There was spawning bass. There was the offshore house foundation. So Toledo in um, you know late February, we could see it all. But I'm really we don't ha we haven't had that technology explosion at Toledo with the Elite Series anglers. Um, the only bad thing is. Just so happened, coincidentally, that another top tour put a tournament right before it. So we're going to see a little preview of it for sure, what we could expect uh, a few weeks later, probably. Okay. Wow. I, did, I, didn't, I don't say I didn't. any sarcasm in my voice at all. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we hear you. We hear you loud and clear, Ronnie. <laughs> the, uh, the, you talked about the water level. Um is it drought there? I know like out in like West or central Texas, they're, they're dealing with low water. Is, is Toledo suffering in, in drought? I think I, I don't necessarily know if it's completely due to drought. I think that it does drop in the winter for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe a couple different factors there. 
Uh, ideally, they would drop it maybe a little bit every single winter to maybe let some some scruff, some uh, dog fennel, whatever we want to call it, grow up on the bank. And then when it comes up, it can yeah. just have a couple great spawns. But I think that this is it's pretty it's pretty common it's not like at a severe level i think this is like at an expected water level and if they get just a little bit of uh not snow melt or ice melt but just just rain in general <laughs> that they can uh maybe fill it up and it yep. could really put a lot of a lot of places at toledo and a lot more water in play for sure yeah i just i just had heard like oh ivy is like uh way way down and i didn't know if uh the east texas lakes were experiencing the same but we'll uh but well, we're going to stay in East Texas because you're going over uh, next. Um, are you following another tournament trail to Fork? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Except every tournament trail's Fork. Uh, locals <laughs> and, and national tournament, whatever. Lake Fork is one of the pressure places ever. But I'm excited. The one thing, like you guys mentioned before I jumped in here, is that we might be going to places that we've been to before on the Elite Series, but we're going at different times of the year. We're yes. going to Texas, pre-spawn. Instead of spawn or spawn, we're going to Florida in April compared to February. Um, we've got some places in Alabama at, at different times. Even the Lake Murray event in May is a little bit later than last year, I do believe. And we see more things transpire out of that. Maybe we'll see the, the full capacity of blueback herring spawn. Um, what I do love about our schedule as well is that we do have two lakes that op that are opposites that that both have blueback herring. We have a tremendous spotted bass fishery at Smith Lake with that, and a exclusively largemouth fishery at Lake Murray. But we'll see how those two things change from early May to late June, um, and then obviously our smallmouth swing. But Fork being a con stop over the last five or six years, but a totally different time. I, I'm really excited for that. I don't know. This is the question as soon as I saw it come out. I don't know if this is if this helps Lee Livesey have more of an or more of an advantage or less. That's the that's the first question I ask is awesome. Lake Fork's on the schedule. Does this go into Lee Livesey's wheelhouse more or does it less? Because the last time I thought that he wasn't gonna win it and I was dead wrong. Uh, and so this time around, I, I want to negate to I think he'll win it, but I do think that. I think that winter pre-spawn, you know, late winter, early pre-spawn, maybe it's warmer and they're starting the first wave. You know, if there's a moon nearby, who knows? I think there'll be a, a quite a few fish doing a lot of different things. And so I think we'll have to see somebody like Livesey, uh, you know, shuffle around a little bit. I think the one good thing is, is that there will be more water and fork. Last time we were there, they were working on the dam and it was five to eight feet low. I believe, and it was much lower than that previous to the event. And so I think this year it'll be back to regular, which more water in lakes always just provides more opportunity. And so I think that we could see fish um, get caught on Bass Live in less than two feet over and hanging out over 30 feet of water with techniques we've seen, you know, Patrick Walters utilize. And uh, I think that we'll see a lot more people go out in the abyss looking for that 35-pound bag. Well, I want to. I want to see. I want to see that. I want to see some share lunkers get caught. Yeah, uh, in, in those two events, uh, I'm wondering. Do do you uh are are you able to like keep a share lunker if one is caught during a Bassmaster tournament? Can that go over to the share lunker program? I don't. Uh, between 
you know, Texas Parks and Wildlife and Bass, probably there's a partnership there. We could do that. And luckily, even though it is a catchway release tournament because of the slot size at Fork, if you catch a share lunker, Lord, I pray it's over 24 inches. And we can bring it. I, that would be a crazy looking bass if it was less. But um, I have caught a six and a half pounder that was 17 inches before. So like there's just, not at fork, but just I know fish shapes are different in February compared to June. A 10 pounder in June is way longer than it probably is in February because they just have the ability to keep weight a lot better in this in, in the colder water temps. So yeah. I would hope so. But. If someone catches a share lunker, please do it with a camera in your boat so that we can <laughs> document it with a scale and uh, at least, hey, even if they don't take it or you can't take it, I'm calling it Texas, <laughs> you know, Parks and Wildlife share lunker. So that well, I want to invite you because we're going to go catch some uh, in and Lake Athens. Uh, we're going to be at, we got a Bash University in uh, at at the Freshwater Fishery Center this year. Uh, I guess it's the 20th or 21st. Uh, but we're going fishing on the 22nd, 23rd, Monday and Tuesday. We're having a, a bash you meet up and uh, we're fishing with all the people that come to class. And uh, and we're going to go we're going to go catch some share lunkers down there, Ron. You got to come down and join us. <laughs> That's awesome. Especially if it's the hatchery or something. I'll totally fish in those tanks where those fish are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we saw we saw a 20 pounder there. At least that was the estimate when we were there last. And uh I never saw anything like it. I mean, it, 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 you're looking at it in the tank and it's swimming towards you and it's, it looks like it's a <laughs> foot thick across the back, you know, Probably is. eyeballs the size of cue balls, you know, just giant, you know, the only thing that the only thing that I've held that rivals, you know, a double digit bass is my daughter and she was only seven pounds and change. So I can't imagine <laughs> doubling her size and being like, you know, and it fighting back. She didn't really fight back that much when, when I first <laughs> held her, you know, so I can't imagine like a 14 to 16 pounder fighting back and, and what that feels like. Um, no doubt, but I hope we see some. Well, uh, I hope so too. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we did. We, uh, last year we got ice storms, which hurt us, but, uh, makes the fishing real good. You never know. You're going, you're going to, uh, you're going back to grand for the classic. What, what are the techniques you think that are going to dominate the classic this year? Man, I, I think late March, uh, you know, I always say, we always say in Arkansas, Kyle, Jesse, Bassmaster employee as well on the water for tournaments. We always talk about Arkansas fishing. And even if it gets warm in March, they're not going to spawn till April. And I don't know what the case would be for grand, but being on that same same latitudinal, longitudinal, whatever the word is, for as as Arkansas, Grand Lake has the capabilities of it being warm and pre-spawn fishing out the wazoo. Um, I doubt that there's really many fish caught spawning. I would expect that to maybe be a, another week or two form uh, pattern. I'd expect definitely a jig on some docks, spare bait, bladed jig, no doubt. We could see some shallow cranking as well. Um, obviously there'll be somebody probably pursuing forward facing sonar tactics down in the clearer water, probably towards the, the lower portion of the lake. But if there is some color in the, in the lake, you could definitely see some of this rip wraps and there's just so much, so many types of rock structures, whether it's bluff banks, 45 banks, brad chunk rock long points with rock on them there's so that's that's the huge structure at grand is is 
forms and types of rock. But then we see in Pat Classic places with big, you know, root balls and wood and and uh, trees have been big factors, stumps. And so if you time it up well, I think that you could keep a couple of different turns in play. You'd have to run them to perfection probably, but it's hard not hard to not think about the Oklahoma guys um, that maybe have tendencies knowing that this time of the year um, could be a good deal or not. Also, I'll have to say, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it now so that uh, – when people think they're onto something here, we call them out and know that they either listen to Bass U live or they looked at the same stats I did. But Matt Airy is one to watch for the classic. He came up short at Ray Roberts a few years ago, but he has, I think, a second, third, and a fourth in uh, either tour or Toyota series events at Grand that time of the year, like the last wow. two weeks of March, two weeks. So Matt Airy may be, I could see it. Uh, you know, I asked uh, Christy and Palmer have had success at Hartwell. And they really relate it back to Oklahoma at times. And does it make sense to people who probably think and have a stereotype of Oklahoma? But the way you fish in the Carolinas does translate very well to Oklahoma. Uh, we see Hank Cherries winning a classic there. Um, you know, uh, his first classic back in 2013. Matt Airy's success there. And you partner that with Christie and Palmer's and, and even Edwin Ember's success like at, at Hartwell in that area. And they're from Oakland. Uh, we could definitely see some some players for sure with some of those tactics from the East Coast uh, that we predominantly know and come to love. That's interesting. Uh, uh, I want to invite all the competitors at this year's Classic to check out Jason Christie's pre-spawn tactics uh, <laughs> on Bass University. Uh, you're gonna you want to get subscribed, you guys. Get, I promise you, you're gonna want to you're gonna want to watch that one. But uh, and, and it's interesting because of his big spinnerbait uh, strategy that that he uses a lot that time of year. And I've been, you know, a couple of my buddies are really dialed into that big spinnerbait on on forward facing and 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 triggering big bites. Doing that. that's that's what I'm predicting, Ronnie. This year we're gonna see more power baits uh being uh, effective with the new technology that's my prediction for this year i i told lisa talmage this the elite series tournament director when we were doing the opens live at watts bar lake of the ozark harris chain i texted her said one solution to forward facing sonar finesse fatigue is fishing in the fall because the big jig you're talking about on brush piles, you're looking for structure a lot more. You're using your electronics to find structure and trusting that there's fish there. It's a different kind of style with a big rod and bigger line doing that. Um, and I think that that is also something that we can be. You know what I'm wanting, Pete? I want it to rain uh, like cats and dogs, but be a warm rain right during practice or right after the practice period so that when we see Grand Lake for the first time or the classic of day of competition or the final day of practice, it could be a new ball game of warm water rolling oh. into that body of water with some dirty water coming into it. We could see some definitely some action at Grand. And if we just take the fishing out of it and we think about the competitors, we have got the last three classic anglers with different connections. Can Jeff Gustafson go back to back and defend his title. He is mm -hmm. also Jason Christie's roommate. So he would be maybe dialed, you know, not dialed in by Jason himself, but just a little bit more comfortable knowing he's got 
uh, the guy, you know, bumping boats with him in the in the driveway. Then we've got Jason, who got the classic monkey off his back at Hartwell. Now he's looking after a tougher year and surviving the end of the season to make the classic. Um, that now he gets to fish it at Grand, a lake that he would maybe consider one of his home lakes. And then you think of the time before Jason Christie, which is Hank Cherry, maybe having some revenge on Grand Lake his first time. So if we're just looking at the last three racing champ, we are looking at a lot of storylines that they are hoping to take the title once again, not to mention the other 53 anglers that are about as hungry as you can make them to win uh, that title. It's going to, it's going to, well, it's awesome. We're going to be there. Bash University will be there. Guys, uh, stop by and see us. If you're a subscriber, Bash University will uh, we'll for sure be on the floor and uh, have something cool for you guys. And can't wait for that. Um, and the next tournament that I want to talk about, which is the next one on the schedule, is is Florida, which I love because we're going there at a time of year that, man, I don't I don't remember ever seeing an event that time of year. That that looks super fun to me. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for Florida in April, uh, just because it is a different look. We'll see some different deals. What the the weather and the water is a lot more stable then. So when we're we're always thinking Florida primed February because everywhere else is just absolutely miserable to live if you want to go catch bass. So we want to go to Florida in February. Right. But it is so touch and go with the fronts that come through, the cold weather that could drop, fog as well being a problem. And so I think that in April, you'll still have some fish in the spawn phase because they'll start they'll start spawning just after Thanksgiving down at Okeechobee, you know, certain times, certain years the it finally cools off enough around thanksgiving that they want to maybe start to spawn so we see spawning fish in south florida from at least christmas time on and the st john's and the harris chain no doubt have spawners through april and may uh, maybe even june like at the Kissimmee chain as well so there are definitely going to be a delayed wave but you could also see frogs come into play you could definitely see uh, some different types of grass fishing i pray that the weather is good, so the areas other than just Banana Cove pop up, and we don't have half the elite field fishing where the great population of grass and uh, yeah. and fish are. Um, and then we've got every single lake in play. The fact that Apopka has gotten so much more traffic recently, that's not a guaranteed place to go win the tournament. And if anything, there's a lot more risk and storytelling and drama at the Harris Chain that locking through there after going through two major idle zones on the way there and you can only get three boats in the lock at a popka that's a lot of stress we saw ben milliken do that stress uh to qualify for the elite series unbelievable couldn't have, that couldn't have been a crazier story he goes in there and catches his limit and then comes back and mm -hmm. uh, and survives it enough to to get a tie finish there and the elite series uh you know you've got harris little harris uh Eustace, Dora, Beauclair, Carlton. Uh, Carlton was a place that was uh, really utilized in uh, the championship last week for the Bassmaster, the final event of the season, Carlton was. And that's also a place that in the fall to winter time period where the college championship was dominated back in during you know 2020 time. So we've seen every lake have a chance to, to shine, and, and we can't forget about Griffin as well to the west. Um, Actually, the closest lake to Venetian Gardens you can get if you're allowed to drive across the street, but you got to go all the way around and lock through to get to Griffin. But it is so close. So, so yep. many different factors. Um, eelgrass, uh, hydrilla, 
bank grass, shell bars, a lot of things at the Harris chain. My dad, uh, that's where they live. They live in Dora. And uh, so if any lead anglers get a sandwich, they'll, the house is right there. But also if uh, my dad will be a boat driver, most likely for those two events, which leads us to the St. John's, which if we just headline the St. John's as full elite series event of the year and Rick Clun's 500th tournament, that's, I don't care how the fishing goes. That's, that's the storyline of the week for me. Uh, wow. That's pretty, pretty dang cool to, uh, to see it happen there on a place timed up perfectly that Rick Clun has won his last two elite series events at. That's, that's awesome. It, will that legit? That's his 500th tournament. I was worried that he was going to fish. Like he always fishes a division of the opens, and so if mm -hmm. he fished a division, it would be the uh, Wachita, Eufaula, Logan Martin division, most likely. And he would have fished his 400th event at the Harris or his 500th event at the Harris Chain. But he's not fishing the opens this year, so his 500th event goes back one one tournament, and that goes to the uh, St. John's River. So super cool there cool. to see something like that. 50 wow. years and 500 events. I'll just say this, we could carry the wave of momentum for Bassmaster through the rest of the year and probably for another year or two if Rick Clun were to win his 500th event. Like that oh would be absolutely I don't even want you to finish the Rick to retire right then, a clean 500 and a W to end it. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. That would be <laughs> well, everybody on the planet I think will be rooting for him to do that exact thing, you know. And no, I don't know. I love the St. John's. I, I can't think of the patterns, you know, like it's so interesting. You mentioned it like we've been every time I've been sent to Florida for a tournament. It's it's January, February. I've never made a cast in, in March through December. And, uh, you know, in I have no idea what the pattern will be. March, April's considered the best month of fishing, you know, for the most part in the south, you know, land mm -hmm. south. And we've never made a made an elite series cast during the best month of the year quote unquote in florida and so it would be great uh to see that pop off one thing i do think it does for the st john's river is it keeps a lot of the actual main river in play you're not going to just see dead end back in house for sight fish or for the population of fish that went back there and don't want to leave because yeah. it got cold or they're just hanging there through all the stages uh you'll probably see a little bit of crescent maybe come in there rodman if it's in play i have to look and see if you know we've had it been there many times in st john some years it's been in place some years it hasn't um you've got all those lakes at the bottom of george and i pray that they don't just drive past george i think that there have been some efforts in the palatka region to plant grass and protect grass from native you know you know manatee consumption of the grass or other effects of the grass praying that the grass that they did plant uh, is able to explode there and there is some grab back and if it does do Lake George that is one of the biggest lakes in the state of Florida but also in the country in general and to not have that factor the last few years has been has been a bummer but to see it maybe come back like it did in 2018 or 2016 or prior um, I remember my first elite series event at the St. John's I think it was I think it was a uh, year two no i think it was i think it was 2014 or 2015 my first or second year. um and i remember power pulling down on cabbage point at uh, lake george and we just sat still and had 40 anglers sight fishing around all those eelgrass clumps and and clear water on lake george. 
I even had anglers say, hey, don't move, sit still. There's a bass that has pulled up and is sitting under the shade of your boat. And they wow. catch it out from underneath our boat. And so it was cool to see that time. So it's sad to see it barren, but I do think that it, it, it could be coming back. Um, and I think that if we have a lot more of the main river of the St. John's, that will will lack a region. We've seen it one in. You get all the way down to George. You crest factors for a person in the top 10. You have Rodman. We'll see the old St. John's dynamic nature, not just blue floor fishing, you know, and hoping that one bites a devil's horse. Yeah. Okay. I love it's going to be shell beds and eelgrass on the main river in current. Um, that's well, that's how it's going to be one. one. Write it down, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't doubt it. It could be a, it could be, we've been saying that it's been in Cliff Prince's wheelhouse every time he gets ultra cold and yeah. he, he has normally came through with top twenties or top tens every time. And it would be very cool to see no mention his this year because it's a different time of the year. It could be a different dynamic, yet he maybe has an advantage because he knows not only are they biting, but now he's got a lot more spots that could factor in April probably. Yep. Yep. That's going to be uh, – that'll be fun. I, I would – that would be a fun one for me. Of course, I'm a tidal river we, guy. St. John's is – is a really fun river to fish. I would, I wish I could be, can I, is it too late for me to get into that one, Ronnie? I think, uh, <laughs> at least I've seen on the chat boards that a lot of these people are planning to sign up for the elite series cause they can do it. Um, and so yeah, just put your money down, Pete. I'll, I'll reserve your spot. I'll send you the email of who to respond to. Uh, we'll see yeah, if Hank Weldon can slide you in from a uh, legends exemption. Cause you are, you are a legend in my eyes. <laughs> uh, I will say, I, have- I will say we've got some cool stuff coming from mass live as well. And so hopefully not only in studio, but other dynamics involved. So hopefully we get to show those off. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe Florida is a great place to do it. Who knows? That's well, just a little well, tease. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I want, uh, can you tease? Can you, you can't dive in any deeper? What are we doing? I, I can't, di- I, I can't dive in deeper, man. I gotta, I might not even be there for that event. If I dive in deeper, they might, I might be in a closet here somewhere. Dude, they might you're, you're pulling me in the ground. Belly. You're pulling like an Ellie on me. You're making an announcement that you're going to make an announcement. Yes, I'm going to retire <laughs> at some point in the future. <laughs> uh, uh, Let's hey, think about this. I rode with Ike and Ellie at the 2018 Classic at Hartwell in finally a practice because I thought it was his last Classic because he was uh, going to retire. And it's 2024, and he's still going strong. But I, I know it's ebbed and flowed, but that's so fun. It's like, man, I was really eager to not want to miss out on a moment with Ike. And uh, I didn't miss out on a moment, but, man, I thought it was going to be a different kind of moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of think we'll see Mike fishing around uh, no matter what his retirement We need to like, see him in a classic again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we'll see him in the winter circle again. Um, Good. Maybe at the next tournament at Lake Murray. Uh in South Carolina, we're uh, um, we got a blueback lake. It's going to be in May. Is it? I, I'm not that dialed on that part of the country. Are they going to be? Are those bluebacks going to be spawning, or is it done in early May? I'm not quite sure because I'm a little disconnected from the Carolinas uh, compared to when I was, you know, living there and breathing North and South Carolina fishing. Um, you know, you got to think I've been. I've been in Arkansas for seven years, so I've been tormented tough fishing for seven years. No, um, but I, I do think the bluebacks will factor. I think that they definitely are in some phase of their spawn, but at minimum, they are definitely in the phase of, of being active. So not only will we see um, 
those large hordes of fish that we saw in late April up shallow, I, that was the best tournament of the year, and it wasn't the highest weight event. It was the best tournament of the year because of what the anglers who didn't even catch them, how, how happy and pleased they were. There were reports of guys who would have 12-pound bags that were missing the cut that saw hundreds of four- to five-pounders up on these shallow points that were impossible to catch unless you you timed it up with a school of bluebacks that swam through and you were at execute or you got on the shad spawn low light to see that many big ones in a lake. Um, it could be a crash course on a few choice points and offshore areas um, for these blueback herring and, and some of these anglers to time it up. I think like we saw Brian New do on day one at Murray in April, it's one of those deals where as you get closer to May, June, July, it's a pick up your trolling motor, go to a spot, make a cast or two, pick up your trolling motor, go to a spot, make a cast or two. Mm -hmm. I think Brian New ran that in April, and that is a time of year where you can get away with staying a little longer. And I think he ran a little too much. He'll, he'll probably attest to that. He spent a little too much time running, and he was able, never able to get – comfortable to know where these fish were if he just missed it or if he's about to you know crash course in um so i think that if you run a little too much in april especially in march and april you could be at the bottom of the leaderboard but if you start to run around mid-may through the summer that is the ticket to catching five pounder off of every spot so we'll see and also that's the time where fish could relate from points and clay points, flat points to um, play things like gain and offshore stuff. So we could see a good balance of running gun versus I found an area with these three points that I'm just going to rotate and milk. Um, and maybe we'll see a few fish on bed. Maybe we'll see that. Maybe not the the huh. final day Hux, but maybe some on day one that we'll see start off. You know, it'll be a lot less spawn, but they'll still they'll still be spawners. That'll be a that'll be a fun one to watch because that that running gun like you're talking about, Ronnie. It's crazy. If you're, if you're on it and your timing is right, it's like unbeatable, but it is volatile. Yeah. If you're if your timing's off by just a few minutes, bad rotation. Oh, we'll see. Be, and, and and back in the day, the Carolina, the the little subtle things that we used to do, you know, you pull up on a point and you don't have forward facing sonar. Back in the you know 2010s era, you would sit there and wait, and if you'd see a a splash you knew that they were there possibly and you could get on some schooling action you had to trust also that they were there but one way you could manufacture it if you saw a blip and it went away or you pull up and it's dying off you know you see it you've seen everyone's seen it where it's they're schooling and you're pulling over there and as soon as you come off pad it's done and you're like i missed it it's you could fish for an hour and think there's no fish but one one little deal is that like that boat and and you're almost corralling those bait and just do a couple circles on your spot, get that bait pushed together, and those bass will the, it'll start to do it again. You could kind of manufacture and start it back up. And so we could see maybe like that also forward-facing sonar will teach us where those fish go when they're not actively feeding on blueback herring. Are they hanging right beside of it, threatening them? Like, hey, I'm right here. I could eat you at any moment. Or are they actually pulled off? to the deeper part of the point, the right side, the left side, maybe a hard spot, not in, you know, not up on the clay. So I think we see a lot of great visuals of feeding frenzies on forward-facing sonar, which I've witnessed in person with hybrids at Lake Hartwell. So I can't imagine if it was five-pounders in an Elite Series event 
get, you know, I might have to change pants before weighing. <laughs> I like it. I like the enthusiasm, and I'm 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 excited about this tournament now. After after talking to you about it, it's it, it's going to be very dynamic. I think that's going to be cool. I and I want to talk about the next one because we're on to the Tennessee River, uh, and uh, all my reports from our Bashu family are Wheeler is on a major uptick right now. It's it's just crushing it right now. Wheeler is dubbed as like the redheaded stepchild of the Tennessee River. It's the it's the lake that gets the most affected. You know, like Pickwick and Kentucky Lake are the the water holders, so a lot of water gets flowing. Wheeler, they're kind of it's just used as a waterway in between these other lakes. And then the fishing has had its ups and its downs, and the bass virus and the populations, and we see smallmouth rise up. We see largemouth come back. We see all these different things. And so I think that we have all, at least if you're a bass fisherman and have fished in the south, you have poor mouth Wheeler Lake at some point. But like I said, <laughs> I'm super excited to be back there for an Elite Series event. We've had some epic bush flipping uh, tournaments there. Tommy Biffle, David Walker. That. We had Dave Lefebvre almost won. If it wasn't for Takahiro's swim bait and the Decatur Flats, he would have won the last one. We've seen a lot of great shallow water Tennessee River fishing at Wheeler, but we've also seen the Decatur Flats come into play. We've seen some offshore smallmouth and largemouth. And uh, we, we had the infamous KVD who moment from J Jeremy Starks back in the day when he said KVD who, and then he goes and follows it up and wins the event. I thought that guy had – he put the curse on his back for saying – but he actually goes and wins the event. Uh, so Wheeler is rooted in history, and and seeing the Opens there at Toledo Bend and at Wheeler, that was just a little taste that, man, some some iconic places in bass fishing history are back, um, and, and, and we'll see them hopefully transpire. Who knows how it'll be in June? I would expect textbook Tennessee River offshore fishing, um, but if there's extra current pulling through there, it could be magical. We've seen uh, we've seen grass. grass. We've seen the Elk River come into play. I believe. I think that's. I think it's the Elk River, um, and uh, and you could see one into the other factor for sure. And it helps being right there where we are, Cater. You don't have to go far. You don't have to make a forty-five minute run to go catch some bass. It's it's right out there in your front. You know, from your view. It's you know it's funny you say that because right there it, it, it reminds me of the Delaware River right there in in Decatur like the city it's like that's what I when I the tournaments I've fished there I always it's like you're fishing the cityscape here in Philadelphia uh when you're there industry so, big time yeah it's just like cool. it but but the but the grass is uh, my last report is the Decatur Flats has grass the last tournament I fished there it's probably a hundred years ago now but there was no grass uh so uh, it was it, it, it's interesting to hear that that grass is back it's real prevalent all over the flats so uh man it's it's got to be a factor that time of year i got to imagine and i think that uh one big thing it's it's i've never fished an an event at oneida but i've covered enough tournaments there that my rule of thumb if i ever went back to oneida to to fish a tournament i'm going to go practice for days but if on day one of the tournament I'm running and I see birds crashing, I don't care how good I caught them in practice. This is a bonus 
opportunity for a limit of fish. It's the same thing at Wheeler, I feel, is if you're practicing three days and you have some stuff that's sticky and off the wall, but you're running down the lake and there's a spot on the Decatur Flats that's open, you pull in there and maximize catching a couple bonus fish and saving your actual practice spots for day two, three, and four of the event or day three and four of the event if you can make it work. But if you get an early boat number and there's a spot available, maybe it's close to a waypoint you've had from practice, like a bonus. Go in there and try to catch a few fish because that's a place that's going to get pounded. You don't need to save it for day four. You need to save it for day one and use your other goods for day two, three, and four maybe in your strategy. So that's the rule of thumb I have at Oneida, and that's the rule of thumb I have at Wheeler. That's a good rule of thumb. I like it. And um, we're going. You mentioned this earlier. We're going to Smith Lake, deep, clear. We're going at a, at a, at a unique season. Um, <laughs> you know, that's I. I how, how's hard. that one going to go down? <laughs> that was the most texted about occasion that we had on the Elite Series when the schedule came out, and it wasn't really? most texted because of excitement at times. People said you're going to get us killed out there. There's going to be so many party years the week before Fourth of July, um, oh, but. I think that we're going to see some guys maybe get way back in some creeks and a foot of water for some big largemouth. We're going to see some guys on the main lake catching them over 100 feet of water, spotted bass, uh, and you're going to get at the end of the event. I'm going to do this. I normally do this on spotted bass places. Uh, I used to do it at Champlain as well. Places with mixed species, mixed species that you can catch, you know, all spotted bass and win, or you can catch all largemouth or win, or you can catch all smallmouth or win. I like to track how the top 10 has caught fish. Are we, are we seeing a guy with 10 spotted bass after two days of competition? Or are we seeing a seven spots, three largemouth? What's the balance for that top 10 that makes it? How many largemouth can someone catch to make it? Or how many spotted bass can someone outlast the rest of the field with just consistency's sake? So that is a, a cool factor. And, I've been there. I've been to Smith in the fall and I've been there in the spring. I haven't been there in the dead summer, but if you really want to learn about Southern forward facing car and water, I know that people don't, but there are a good contingent of people who do and that will benefit from watching this. We're going to see some really, really sneaky ways of presenting baits on fish that are highly pressured and that fish are very stingy. And you're going to be battling different conditions on it. So uh, if you put Smith Lake out and you look at the map, you could pick anywhere you want to go and probably find a place to catch fish that will compete this week or in that in that week. Drop your trolling motor Sounds and good. start fishing. Drop yeah. your trolling motor at the launch trip. That's that's my yes. advice to all you. Do not, <laughs> do not cut any point short and go airborne. We do not want to see that again. That was the last time we had a major event at Smith past the turn trail. We saw we saw anglers, you know, taking a, a tight turn and and they ended up getting some lakefront property before re-entering <laughs> the water. But yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll pray for everybody's safety. Keep it in the water, guys. Uh, my favorite lake on the in the on the planet is next, and uh, we saw what happened in July, I guess, last year, where everybody, and that frustrated me because I, you know, the inland sea, I I have a, a love hate relationship with on Champlain because I find them, and then they disappear, <laughs> and and now we I saw where they disappeared to. Right, we saw how yeah. everybody tracked them down and and you know got offshore with them. Um, and, uh, man, I, 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 all early August, I'm 
maybe the same kind of deal. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think we now discovered the gut within the gut. You know, there's the gut at Champlain, and now there's the yeah. gut within the gut of yep. another place. And I think last year in August uh, was the first time we had ever been to Champlain in August. I think we'd been there in June and July. Every week of July we've been there, I think. And we hadn't been there that point of August before. Maybe we maybe we had a tournament in the first few days of August, but we never had one completely that time of the year in August, and at least for Elite Series history. So it was good to see that. It was absolutely crazy that the conditions lined up spectacularly for largemouth to be a factor, and they were a non-factor. Mm-hmm. So that goes to speak, that goes to show how Shocking. big smallmouth have gotten, how you can run to tie, but it's no longer necessary or essential. It's it it may it's actually more of a risk than it used to be to run there now, um, because you can catch the same equal weight up north with smallmouth than you can if you made that risk and run down there and it works out well. Also, doing that for four days, you you literally have to wish for four days of calm water on the the St. Lawrence river, like we had, if you're hoping to make it there and back and not have issues. And so Champlain's changed a little bit. Um, I think we learned a lot this last time there and, um, uh, to see, it was kind of like a St. Clair vibe to see nine anglers inland sea and one angler not in the inland sea make the top 10, uh, was very interesting. I think that it's going to change up the area. Once again, it's not going to be that same area. I will probably catch some fish and have some good weight out of it. But I couldn't imagine had someone just hunker in the same area and have just thousands of fish coming to you or being around you. Um, and like we said, if you do have that many fish, then in a pelagic setting with this many boats around there, you could be the one that lands on them today and you could be the one watching the show tomorrow. So right. there's a lot of still stability uh, in that. So um, I do think we did see some smallmouth hammer show up in that event, whereas like St. Clair. I'm not saying they weren't hammers, but the traditional smallmouth guys struggled at St. Clair last year uh, because of how odd it was where they were positioned compared to what they expect. But at Champlain, we saw a lot more of the Austin Felixes, the Jason Curates, the Alex Redwines, the guys who are really good at it. I'll even put Cody Huff and Justin Atkins in that territory. We've seen how good Bryant Smith was. And then obviously Kyoya Fujita, um, an absolute uh, – just menace when it comes to catching catching fish offshore with his electronics, which we also saw him doing that at Lake We did not mention that, but that could be uh, a little bit of a factor too mixed in is, is there will be a lot more fish in his region at Lake Murray that he was catching them like that, that depth zone and that where the, the fish are programmed in that region. There'll be a lot more fish in that region for Kyoya to be able to go through possibly at Murray if he did the same pattern, but yeah, we can't forget about him at Champlain. Setting yeah. the highest weight that we've ever had there and at St. Clair and at St. Lawrence, all three of them broke the highest elite weights we've ever had at those given places. So wow. only up from here, I guess. In three well, years, I, we'll be asking, can we break 100 pounds at Champlain? <laughs> I think well, so. Well, I, I, want, I want you to instruct somebody to go into the belly of the beast on Champlain out there in front of Burlington and where it's like <laughs> 10,000 feet deep and it's out in the middle. And I'm like, I, I just want to see somebody be competitive in that part of the lake. I think it's out there, but it's just so vast and and so so harsh with the wind, you know. But I'd love to see that this year. 
or at least like pan around and show us Champy. Like if, if yeah. where, that's gotta yeah. be where he lives. Right. Catch some lake trout, take some images of, of Champy and that'd be, that'd be awesome. I, I'm, I'm, I've been to, I've been to Champlain, uh, for an open that you were in Pete and I'll, I'll say that the inland sea is so sneaky, scary. Like, I remember going in there at the bottom of the Inland Sea, and it took 45 minutes for me to get to in of it because of how rough it was. I, I didn't believe it, so I had to go see it, and it was absolutely one of the craziest. My boat driver, we speared the first wave we saw, and he said, sorry, and I said, I'm already wet, so just get us get us there and back safe. Like, I don't care if I get wet. Just, just keep us safe because it was crazy. And so I think that to see – we take it for granted now how these guys manage this big, rough water and uh and find fish and then actively catch fish it's one it's a it's a miracle for me to make it out there and to at least stay on the same spot and know triangulate where i'm at and i'm not lost i'm not all the way down in ticonderoga because i haven't looked up and i've floated back there to see them manage the big water and find seven to ten small dots on your screen and and keep track of them like that's that's absolutely incredible to me so uh, kudos to them, and I look forward to to seeing Shannon again. Yeah, that's it, coming around Cumberland Head is one of the most daunting tasks in in <laughs> fishing. On when the wind's blowing out of the south, I don't care it it rivals any lake on the planet. You know that south wind stacks it right there, and I mean I I promise you, those waves are ten feet tall yeah. at times coming around that point. You know we have seen three or four guys go go south and not make it back in time for weigh-in. They may make it back a couple minutes late. They may mm -hmm. make it back 15 to 20 minutes late and have their weight zeroed for the day. Or they may just say, like, I'll see you at 6 o'clock when the wind's supposed to die off. I'll, I'll make my way back. Or somebody can bring me my truck and boat but or trailer. Um, it, it is a monster, and it's crazy because there are a lot bigger lakes that don't get nearly as rough as that lake does, and it's, it is crazy. And, and, you know, it reminds me of a, of the only time I was late uh, without a, a breakdown <laughs> involved. Uh, but it was on Champlain, and I was fishing on the up by the Canadian border on the New York side. And, I mean, it was slick as glass, as slick as this table. Hmm. And I knew, and I, I had seen that condition before. I knew it takes me like 25 minutes ballpark to get back on flat water uh because it's not that far but it's you got to go through some big water but if it's flat you just you know it takes 25 minutes and i had to push it because i i was not having a great tournament so i wanted to use every minute i could to try i needed a couple more pounds i thought to get a check or do whatever i was trying to accomplish and i pushed it so i left it 25 minutes and about five miles into the ride i got hit with a light breeze uh, 10 miles into the ride, I'm in two to four footers. Uh, three quarters of the way home, I'm in those giant waves <laughs> that we were just talking about. And I'm like, how is that possible? The lake is so big. You have different weather patterns happening simultaneously on, on the same body of water. But I, I, I was in those five to seven footers, whatever they were. And uh, I'm, I'm smashing my boat to bits, jumping waves. And I'm like, you know what? I'm... I think we're just going to take the late penalty today, you know, because I'm going to kill my boat and myself trying to get back in. But that's Lake Champlain. That's the, for you. 
that's the worst thing is when you when you crest a five foot wave and you see the flags for the BASS trailer <laughs> waving and you, you know you can see it and you know you're just like oh my gosh it's so much farther away than it looks but like it's right there too but um yeah. I'll, I'll also say i was a little surprised the last time we were at champlain um uh, other than this past year like previous to the 2023 stop we saw north play a lot more on the new york side we saw shallow you know top cranberries a, a little bit a little bit different time of year um, but I'm interested to see if that shows up. Like, if someone can get on that and everyone else is distracted by the Inland Sea for good reason, that maybe some other place could actually yeah. contend. But it's all, you know, who knows why these smallmouth move where they do. Uh, are the or up, you know, is it rashes up there or whatever it's called? Um, if they just swam to the Inland Sea and they're going to make their way back soon, or if it's if they just pulled off to the main channel, who knows? But we could see that portion of it that, you know, that straight north to takeoff area, hopefully factor top 10 soon. Yeah, it, it has many times in the past. So it just, uh, it didn't for your last tournament there. Lake Ontario, or I see we're coming out of Waddington. I love Thousand Islands, one of the greatest places on the planet. Uh, are, are the guys going to be allowed into the lake or are we holding them in the river? What's going on there? I, th I think it's all in play, if I remember uh, last question I had, I think it's, I think it's all in play. So if you want to, so that's the big thing is in Clayton and you run out to the lake, it's not much of a runtime. The risk is a lot lower and you're going to maybe have a lot more water to share with people. When you go from Waddington, there's a lot more risk because for one, it's going to take a lot more time to get here, especially if it's windy, but also two, you don't have a buddy system that if, if you beat yourself up going there, you got to get back. And if there's no one else to pick you up, what are you going to do? So there's going to be a lot more risk for guys. I think also the guys are going to have to stop on the way down and get gas so they can go out into the lake. Yeah. They just want to want to come back and get gas again on the way back. Yeah, yeah. that's more time. And so it's not going to be like, oh, we're in we're in Clayton. Guarantee going to go catch 25 to 28 pounds because you got all day and you only have 35 minutes each way run time. No, you're going to have two hours of possible runtime. So you have half your day to get it done. So we're going to see a lot more shucking and jiving and some, some negotiating time and cutting it close. And we're also probably going to see somebody stick to their guns and not make a long run. We've seen plenty of big bags come from Waddington and just Northeast of there. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw someone else do it as well. Um, or maybe we see some people in the Ogdensburg again, show up, you know, and, and that whole, areas as you as you kind of run down there alexandria bay all those different things yeah there, there's a tremendous amount of water i wonder you know i think about uh the last turn last year's tournament and guys are out at who was it was it zaldane that was out past like the ducks he was he was like yeah. way i mean i think he was almost in lake superior or something <laughs> <laughs> he was he was so far and uh you know, it is reachable, but you got, you're going to leave yourselves about, you know, three hours to fish, so you better be on them. But Lake Ontario, you know, man, they can stack up. They can stack up for you. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be great, and I don't know if uh, I don't know if Riz is going to be at that one on site, and if he is, you know how special it is to bass fishing history and the crowds that show up there and the community that desires to have Bassmaster tournaments there. So it'll it'll be very cool and a, a much appreciation to that area for 
really introducing the world to the greatest smallmouth fishing lake in the country or in the world, exposing the world to this awesome place when we got to come back your way in 2013 and, uh, and got to come do it ever since. So um, I'm thrilled that we're back in Waddington. Clayton has been absolutely fantastic. They helped us out in a pinch during COVID when times were different. And then they've been a great partner since then. And I know that we'll be back to Clayton in the future as well. And it's always good to mix in a Waddington, mostly because like we said, all these other lakes that we've been to in the past, they're at a different time of the year. We're not at a different time of the year with the St. Lawrence, but we've got a lot of factors that make it a different tournament fishery every time we go there. The wind could blow and it could be rough. The wind could not blow and it could be calm. We could go out of Clayton and be close to the lake. We could go out of Waddington and stay in the river. We've got a lot of different variations of it. you got Canada in play again, once again, in the last two years. And you'll have the U.S. in play as well. So there's a lot of a lot of great aspects to this place and those communities. So it's a special area up in the world. If you've never parked your truck and boat in a grocery store parking lot and seen just a random post in the parking lot for a horse and buggy to be tied up to, then you've never been to the St. Lawrence <laughs> River. <laughs> it, it is very unique. It's one of my favorites. And I'll, I'm rooting for Brock to do it again on largemouth <laughs> and smash him up. Uh, awesome. yeah. He'll have to be he locked in the classic. He'll have to be significantly locked in the classic <laughs> to even look at largemouth probably now that he's had so much success with smallmouth too. <laughs> I, I, yeah, right. I, I love it. I love the largemouth there. We vacation there sometimes. And me and my son, we love to fish for the largemouth up there. Uh, the which first, the first thing we do is when we have the private bass track map is day one. We immediately zoom in about thirty minutes after take, see who's in a bay, to see who could be trying to do largemouth. It's the first thing I do is I look to Love see, it. oh, is Greg Hackney and Brandon Card fishing for largemouth again? You know, or whatever. And so I think it's always interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, man, I wish they were just a little bit bigger so that they would play in that tournament. You know, it's the, the smallest. You're just they're just such footballs, and you got you got to do it. But uh, man, what what a great what a great wrap up. I know we've been uh, we've been ignoring the IM boards, uh, Justin. Do it. What do you got over there? Yeah. So Saint Crest wants to know, Ronnie, uh, what what tournament are you most excited to cover this season, and what tournament do you think will be the toughest? Ooh. Ooh, um, I think I'm really, I'm really looking forward to um, Murray. I, I really like Murray. Um, it's the Champlain of the South. I really like Murray. I think tough, tough could be Smith for the weights, but it'll also be ultra tight. Which means that you know you catch a two and a half pounder and boom you could be in the cut. Which I always think those are so captivating. Winya Bay, Sabine River. It won't be at that level of of low weight and tight tightness, but it is always. I love being at a place where a four pound largemouth is a difference maker for your entire tournament if you catch one. And so that would be very cool to see that play out with the tight weights and, and that aspect of it. So I think Murray will be, and I can't believe I just favored two blueback herring lakes. It's a perfect Carolinian. I am that I just did that, but um, <laughs> I, I want to say, I can't split the Florida swing or the Texas swing differently. Like they're so similar, like the Florida swing, both lakes are similar at times. So we're going to see, I'm excited to see two weeks of that. And then the Louisiana and Texas, I'm excited to see two weeks of that. Even though it's two different bodies of water, 
they're they're trained and programmed the same way. So I'm I'm interested to see how they all factor. But I do not envy the cold weather that could be fishing in to start the year. But my two, if I had to fit, looking forward to Murray, and I'm intrigued about um the tightness and Smith. aka like tightness of it of Smith. Yep, those spots on Smith get crazy eyes. I've seen it. You know where you. You catch one and it's got 50. Well, it's got, you know, half a dozen back and they come back to the boat and you're like, all right, I'm going to catch them every cast. No, that's not, that's not <laughs> happening. They look at you like you're nuts and you don't know what you're doing and they get, they are very, very tricky to catch, but they're huge too. So I, 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 I think that's a great assessment. I think Smith is going to be challenging. Uh, Justin, can I throw it back to you? Um, yeah, let me look at one more here. Yeah, I remember I, I I remember the size of those spots at Smith and the weights on the scale were like small and uh but yet the ones you would see were like four and five pounders. Uh they're just very tricky to catch. What do you got? So uh Wolf of Walmart wants to know <laughs> how much uh do you think forward facing sonar is gonna play in, in some of the shallow water events this year, like St. John's and stuff like that? I think it'll. Uh, I think it's always be used, but whether it is like exploited or dominant is another deal. Um, I think those shell bars. We say shallow, like you guys are teeing up with Brandon Lester's seminar. These bars aren't deep, so those entrances to the canals and those lily pad fields—they're not deep. But what you can see, you know, shallow wise with that, I think that we'll see some of that there. I think we'll see some of it on some offshore spots at Eustace and Harris and Carlton and Dora for the Harris chain as well. I think that those could definitely be places that we see it once again. The grass at Griffin, if you can use forward facing sonar to see the fish, but to see the line of the grass. I mean, what that's the one thing that's alleviated. If you're going to go throw a jerk bait on a grass line, you're getting hung up on grass and you're throwing marker buoys out to try to figure out where the grass line is. Now it's kind of, you could be a lot more efficient, a lot smarter. You can try some baits that would be risky to get hung up knowing that you can see if you're about to get hung up. So I think that we'll see it in that aspect. Um, shallow, shallow, shallow. Um, Good Wheeler. Stuff. I mean, I think, I think that we could see yep. some people, at Wheeler doing it as well a little bit um, in a shallower nature, not just on the flats deeper. Interesting. Yeah, it's great, great stuff, guys. And uh, I was just so – I got so occupied talking to Ronnie that I I, I bypassed the IM board guy. Sorry. <laughs> but we appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. That's my uh, fault love, too. <laughs> <laughs> love talking this stuff with you, Ronnie. D. Here's a – I'd like to maybe finish up with uh, taking this on. Man, there are there are a pile of brand new super studs that are coming into the elites this year. Uh, those those EQ guys are killers, extremely competent and versatile young anglers. Mostly, uh, you know, with Ben Milliken being the being the senior of that crew, uh, but you know, it's proven that he's got super uh, talent and and great chops for this kind of stuff. Um, is this going to be like the toughest elite field we've seen in years? <laughs> we say that every year, Pete, and yes, <laughs> it will be. It will be. And it always is. And it's going <laughs> to be design, even right? bigger and better. I mean, that's you're, you're taking the top, what is that, 10 out of 205%. 
you're taking the top 5% of the semi series and injecting them into an already stacked elite series. And the only people that you're subtracting out of the elite series are the bottom 5%. So it by nature has to be better um, every single year. But this, this group, one thing I, and, and Gerald Swindle did a great video on this, whether he's for forward facing sonar for younger, whatever, whatever his biases are. He had a point a couple weeks ago on a video and it was talking about the desire Sure, dad can buy the boat. Dad can take you fishing as a high school angler. Dad can be your boat captain. But you can't pay for desire. You can't pay for the time putting the work. And to see some of these guys that are younger go pre-practice lakes when no one else is around, you know, the hike, you know, the character thing. What are you doing to further your career when no one's looking, at least on the legal side of it? All these guys are going and putting in work and and going to lakes that they may not know about. There are guys like JT and John Garrett pre-fishing lakes uh, on the elite schedule towards the end of the open season, knowing that they most likely have qualified and they want to go get prepared for next year already. The desire of this next group of anglers, I'll say back in the day, a lot of innovators and a lot of the first people through the front door of bass fishing that paved the way for where we are now. Thank you to those who did that. But a lot of them lucked upon or realized, maybe not lucked, they were, it kind of like, I like fishing and people are like, you're really good at it. You should do it as a, as a living. And you're like, should I, is this a thing? And then they became a pro. There are now generations of anglers from college series wired to pursue this for a living and they're not going to take no for an answer and they're going to do their best and they're going to work hard. And so, like you said, everybody under the age of 30, except for Ben Milliken qualifying for the elites. Absolutely crazy. We've got Logan parks from Auburn, Wesley Gores from Montevallo, John Garrett from Bethel. That's three great college fishing schools. Uh, then you got JT Tompkins who bypassed college. You have Tyler Williams from Maine, Kyle Patrick from the mm-hmm. new- Northeast as well. Then you've got Ben Milliken, um, from Nebraska, but lives in Texas. There's so many people. And I feel like Robert G from the university of Tennessee, I forgot him with the college guys. He was in the points race, um, up at the top, Trey McKinney being 18 years old, not even having a chance to apply for college and he's making the elite series. So there are so many young anglers that are Hmm. serious about this. They're not up a spot and wasting it. They want to do this for a living. And so they are figuring out a way to make this sustainable. I think we're already seeing new ideas get ingested to not only the sponsor game, how to sell out. You don't fish 10 weeks a year and become a pro. You work 42 weeks a year and you fish 10 weeks to pro. So a lot of these kids are trying to put in that work 42 weeks a year when they're not fishing. So kudos to them. I'm excited about that. And it's a renewed hope that we can co-mingle old, Young, Greg Hackney's still going to get his. Jason Christie's still going to get his. Brandon Pong's old now. He's still going to get his. So <laughs> I, I, Ike's still going to get his. So yep. I, I think uh, I think it's good. To, this is what we've prayed for and asked for, and now we have a meshing of it with the youngest field ever to qualify for the Elite Series. That's it's 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 fantastic, and and I competed against these guys on the open, so I saw their capabilities and being able to adjust to difficult conditions when things are going south, and that's really the measure of, of talent, really. And 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 some I just want to highlight some things. We I interviewed J.T. Tompkins right here. 
700 hours on his outboard this year, um, <laughs> which is just mind numbing. Uh, you know, spend like 340 days on the water. I don't know how, how many, but uh, just and and earn that AOI. Um, a, except for the fact that he beat me, I like him a lot. Um, <laughs> on the <test> the, uh, <laughs> Tyler Williams, love him, had him just great personality. Uh, just seems like a natural understanding of how fish move after talking with him. Uh, really like him a lot. Um, Kyle Patrick is is special, I think, because Kyle worked full time this year and will only uh, practiced on the official practice periods for the tournaments, which, uh, man, that's a tremendous which I'll say, I'll say when we changed the opens format of practice and having the off limits period, you couldn't just go from one open to the next open to fish. There was an off limits until right before I was worried about Kyle and I'll say it, I'll say it to him on the phone. I'll say it, you know, he was one who would go from tournament to tournament and practice for a week or two before the tournament starts and mm -hmm. to see him walk that back and to only practice on official days. Um, is very encouraging for his longevity in the sport because you could practice for two weeks, but you only get three three days for the Elite Series. And so as long as you you might fish for three weeks out of a tournament, 10 years, but now you know enough where you're confident and comfortable with three days. That's what it's just getting to the point of comfortability to where you have limited practice. I'm okay going into a tourna tournament with two or three bites doing this one thing and two or three bites doing this other thing, and I'll make it work. A lot of guys want secure guaranteed things and that's just not going to happen in the sport so having a having limited practice but being okay with that is huge and so kudos to kyle i've had a lot of i'll say this as my chair is going down let me let me scoot this thing up there we go uh as i think uh i'm trying to think of who it was joey safuentes did gaston um and there was one more from our rookie class this past season were on my phone talking to me once a week asking questions i text every single uh qualifier of the elite series and say congratulations this is ronnie moore bass live if we haven't spoke here's my number if you have any questions uh, or help need help you don't know who to ask I'll, I'll get you to the right person or i'll help and um those two or three guys took me up on it last year and talked to me frequently just to make sure they were doing the right thing we're already seeing two or three people from the opens this year do the same thing. And Kyle's one of those, one of the working people. I think it's easy to say now when you look at John Cruz, who's a friend of the show, if he partners with anybody with missile, you can already check the box. They're a hard worker. You could just tell I could just, he's only going to accept that kind of character. See Kyle from the opens ranks, take it seriously to now his dreams come true. And he doesn't have to start being a hard worker. He was already a hard worker. I think that's going to bode well for him. When the, when the times are tough. I, yes. And, and he has the best social media vi videos out there. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, I'll also mention a little plug. Sorry, Shane plug for the Bassmaster podcast. I get to talk to the 17 year old kid, Aaron Yavorsky, who's going to the Bassmaster classic youngest angler ever. We get to talk to him today on the podcast and uh, hopefully he's a great guest and we get to introduce this young you know, wet behind the ears pro or a kid that hopes to be a pro. Um, and at minimum, I'm going to encourage him to soak it in that he gets to do something no one else has ever done and he get to be the youngest angler to ever fish the classic. That's an, 
I mean, preteens are going to only be able to take away from you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, and uh, my final thought, uh, two-time classic champ is coming back uh, to the elites. Uh, That's right. We, we buried the lead for the last minute of the show. Thanks for who's hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Lee, man, if, I, the natural, the just the gifted – an angler that just finds his way into the winner's circle no matter what he does. Man, is he going to make that field even tougher now? Yeah, I think uh, I think someone posed the question to me on Twitter and says, uh, what are the odds that Jordan wins an elite event his first year back? And I'm like, well, I don't want to – I'm not being rude. He's never won an elite event. He's won classics. He's won <laughs> events. The, he never has won – he's been so close, but we think – uh, we just remember growing up with the kid, you know, from the college yeah. series when I competed against him and you see him represent the college series, he storms in, has the best college finish of a, or a cl best classic finish of a college angler with six at Gunnerville. And then he goes and wins two classics. Think about it. He only had four years on the elite series. So he won two classics in the four years that he was on the elite series. So I, I can't wait to see now that he's almost a full, time away like four years in the elite series five years with the bpt and back on the elite series he's all grown up what now. what yeah what he's progressed like he's yeah. probably he probably his bones probably like mine in the morning now we're all we're all over 30 now we're all we're all over feeling it but i want to see um the level he's taking his game to because no doubt uh him rolling you know with alton jr and the bpt and stuff like that they uh they caught him and they had each other to that high standard and so to see jordan now come back not as the mentee but the mentor to some people maybe it'll be interesting yeah well he but he can only win the small tournaments you know <laughs> with with like you know the 50 motors i know i know <laughs> i don't know i'd trade i'd trade a couple hundred boat wins for a couple 50 boat wins if you ask oh, most guys you know oh you get me i mean <laughs> Which, hey i'll i'll ask a question from from me to you guys riz and pete AOI or classic, which one means more to you if you were to win it? If you had the chance to win one, you go, Riz. Uh, classic. Why? Because of the, you get to the level 10 in that moment on the stage with the trophy and the confetti yeah. and the everything. AOI is a long buildup. And I feel like, a lot of times when guys win AOI at the end of the year, it's like, oh, like it's like the the weight is off. You know, you're relieved. It's still an amazing moment, obviously. But I mean, you win the classic. You that's it. it's the Super Bowl of bass fishing, dude. Like that's yeah. that's it. Yeah. Well, I I I'm you know this argument's been made and I've heard it said <laughs> the AOI is like the angler's prize. You know, the, the guys in the field, that's what they value the most is the AOI. And, and I'd certainly love that title in, in my cap. But, man, it's I grew up fascinated by this sport watching the classic. Man, right. it was like that was that was the, the pinnacle of the sport still is. You you win that. You're still a household name. You're still, you know, going to be hailed as, you know, the best angler and uh yeah, so but, uh, with the exception of falling in, uh, I want to win the classic. <laughs> no doubt about it. I I always get asked that question. I feel like it's the classic as well. 
Um, I've never seen someone hold a classic or hold an AOI trophy above their head like they do a classic trophy. It is absolutely the coolest moment in the sport of fishing. I always paint this picture. I cry every single time. I'm I'm over here. My job for the, the class is determined. Is I have to go grab the first place and the second place wife and stand backstage so that one is ready to run on stage and the other one is ready to grieve with their husband. You know, like that's yeah. that's the worst but coolest moment to experience. And that moment when a guy grabs his bag and walks on stage and there's a leader waiting to greet him, you put the bag on stage on the scales and between those two guys, someone in about five seconds is about to win the classic. And then it happens and the emotion, the cheer, the trophy hold, the confetti, you're a legend forever. You're a legend for the AOI as well. But in that moment, like you said, Riz, that is an MA going on in my pocket. It is just an explosion that you can't, I can't replicate anywhere. I'm, I'm wanting to burst from the seams. And then obviously my tears knowing that their life has changed forever. And I pray that they uh, get the, they feel this honor and it doesn't ever wear off that they just, they just won the classic. That's super cool. Yeah. To you and you're that's that's an awesome summation, Ronnie. And to your point, Riz, it seems like when you win the AOI, it's almost like a relief. Like, oh, I can I can let this burden down. <laughs> I've been carrying for the last, you know, especially the last three or four tournaments. The yeah, pressure right. has been on you the whole time, and and you're like, oh, it's over. I, you know, I got it. It's over. You know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Cause believe me when you're, you know, at night, when you put your head on the pillow, you're probably thinking that AOI, <laughs> that, that was a pretty awesome accomplishment and very few will ever get to do that. And, and the fishermen, I think know that that's probably the more, the much harder thing to do, but, uh, but yeah, the, the classic is pretty cool. Ronnie, we've, we've gone long, man. I appreciate uh, the time hanging out with us always. Uh, I love our annual, uh, you know, show that we do here uh, when you come on and, and talk about all this stuff. It's awesome. I'm very excited about this this year's tournaments. Can't wait to watch it on Bass Live. And uh, and thanks so much, man. Yeah. And, and the last thing as I head out the door is we will be starting, uh, I believe, the Opens Live prior to Bass Live for the Elite Series. We Sweet. will have all nine Opens Live on the final day. So I think Okeechobee is the first one. And I think that's early February. Um, and then we'll go watch Taw and Santee Cooper, and and it'll be great there as well. So excited to bring that platform to the Opens Anglers on a full time basis. Uh, that's the whole goal that Hank Weldon is doing is making the Opens a route where you can make a living. They've got hundred ten thousand dollars worth of AOI money put in for the top ten. Um, the relief that'll bring if you win AOI that you've obviously had a great year, but the forty five thousand kick is boom. I don't have to worry about my next year. Everything I pocketed this season is for me. This one check is for uh, my entries, and we're good to go. So uh, that's we're just do that. I'm excited for the opens uh, and the field that's going to be served up there because, like we said, that's the that's the ultimate mashup of difficulty. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's you're watching next year's anglers, right? Next year's superstars. I'm so excited that you're that you're covering that, and you guys are invested in that. That's that's awesome, man. I applaud, I applaud you guys for that. Look forward to watching. Um, man, thanks again. Have a great holiday, buddy. Th tell everybody over at Bass, we miss them. Wish them uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, we'll, we'll, see it. we'll see you on the television.
yeah, Merry Christmas, and we will see you in person at the Classic and some other Bass Staff will see Riz prior to yeah. that. That's yes, right. sir. Yes, sir. Great. Ronnie Moore, everybody, thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, what an amazing uh, – um, man, we, we covered it all. You yeah. Know? Yep. It's going sure to be an interesting uh, combination of spots, Florida strain, Texas in the early season. Uh, I can't – they're letting them go to the lake out of Waddington. Yep. Uh, that's, man, that's going to add a a lot to it guys. Uh, man, what, what, uh, what an amazing conversation. Loved it. Uh, hope you guys did too. Appreciate you guys being with us. We're going to take a quick commercial break, like, and share the feed. We're going to be giving away, uh, some awesome Cortland fishing line. If you haven't tried the master braid, you got to go do it, but you might be winning some right now. And, uh, we're going to have a grand prize. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to come back and give away some stuff. underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod. 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod i found that can withstand my hook set. Boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Portland Line Master Braid, America's premium super braided fishing line. Manufactured in our Cortland, New York facility and constructed from the highest quality spectra fibers available. Cortland Line Company, made in America since 1915.
I have to have the best eyewear. My eyes are essential to doing my job. It's the highest quality lens that I've ever used. Top of the line performance in these glasses. But they're priced for absolutely everyone. The everyday angler can afford them. As a touring professional pro, if I can depend on them, I know the weekend angler can as well. Hobie Eyewear, built for the pros, priced for everyone. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks to Ronnie Moore for uh, an amazing um, recap or uh, precap, I guess you would yeah. call it, uh, to the upcoming Elite Series preview. preview. Um, really, really good insight, amazing insight, and great stuff. He works so hard, you can hear it in uh, him being able to uh, recount so many different tournaments and anglers and everything involved. So it's uh, awesome stuff. Uh, we had, did you put the question out there yet? The grand prize question is now in the chat. And the question is who was Ronnie's pick to win the Bassmaster classic this year? 2024 couple names, but the main guy, he said, uh, first one, first, first one. one, the first Gotta one, be he correct said, correct spelling too. Gotta be correct. Spelling. <laughs> oh, yes. Man. Uh, looks like Dan Allen. Are you kidding me? Dan Allen after a few weeks off. After yeah. a few weeks off. <laughs> yeah. we got well, back Chad, in the mix. Chad Thomas was oh, on, man. but good he, job, Dan. Spelled Matt Airy wrong. Matt Airy is yeah. the correct answer. Ba and, uh, Bash University instructor. That's right. Congratulations again, Dan. Um, I yeah. guess we're going to start seeing the Bash University swag store on eBay. Yeah. Uh, courtesy of Dan <laughs> Allen. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I, it's funny. I was, I was on Smallmouth Crush last week, and uh, um, he, Epic wins on, he wins on their show, too. Yeah, well, Epic Eric was wearing his Bash University hat that he won uh, on uh, Bash U Live. So, oh, nice. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, I get Eric back in the chat and give Dan Allen some, uh, some, competition. some competition. I know. Dan's too tough, man. All right, and our like and share winner is Randall Bochamp. Hey, Randall Boat Champ. Well, thank up, you, man. Thank you, Randall. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us and uh yep. appreciate you guys being part of Bash University. Check out the great deals. If you haven't subscribed yet, you know what to do. Get over to bashu.tv and get signed up. Uh get a get a secret Santa maybe, box, man. You, you don't know what you're getting, but it's gonna be good stuff. You might get the Willy Wonka golden you ticket. Might get the gold ticket. $250 box. That's cool. Yeah. Psych that we're uh, we're gonna be handing one of those out to one of you, one of our subscribers. So uh we're gonna we're gonna hook you guys up and uh get to class guys it's a lot of fun it's an experience you will never forget get to a bash university live event uh the tickets are for sale at thebashuniversity.com hope you guys have a great rest of your week and uh, we look forward to seeing everybody uh right back here next tuesday on bash you live yep before we sign off pete we oh. got the <laughs> sub of the week Ah, thank you for that. Yep. Shout out hey. to Justin Jones rocking the bass you have with a Florida Stream bass. Love Captain, that. Captain Justin Jones. What's up? The Flo Florida's going to be big on the elite schedule yep. this year. Mm -hmm. Going to be seeing a lot of those Florida strains come in. And uh, appreciate uh, all the subscribers at Bash U. Where do we, if you want to be featured as a subscriber on our Bash University live program, because I always seem to forget that that we're yep. going to do I it, got but, you, Pete, don't but worry. where do they send their picks? Send, send your picks over to me on social, whatever it is, Facebook, Instagram, send them, shoot me a DM and uh, shoot, you know, at the Bash University, at the Bash University and mm -hmm. throw on your Bash U t-shirt, your Bash U hat, and you'll be the sub of the week. Sub of the week, the star of the week. Yep. Thanks for watching everybody. We'll see everybody right here next week. Have a great day.